You're listening to SAS Nordic, the sassiest podcast in the Nordics. Hi, I'm Daniel. And I'm Thomas. And we are experienced SaaS professionals that are curious about how other successful SaaS companies go to market, scale, build winning teams and great products. Join us on our journey as we speak to Nordic SaaS leaders trying to get hold of their secret sauce. And today's guest is Magnus Hultman, the CEO at SafeJourney. So it's a lot about trying to find ways and methodology in order for you to, to not work yourself to death because you could easily do that. Hi there, and welcome to spend some time with me and my co-host Daniel here at SAS Nordic and yet another interesting guest. So Daniel, we are preparing for the SASist conference on April 18th and 19th. So um, how do you feel about that? It feels great. Uh, it feels great. I think things are, are progressing and moving along in a nice way. and. Actually, a lot of people have asked us, like, you know, we loved the event last year. Is it going to be the same? Is there anything that's different and so on? And uh, I, I have two main messages. <laughs> if you if you loved it last year, you're going to love it this year uh, again. A lot of the two days, the two main days, you'll recognize, you know, the formats, the venue. We will feed you, you will get drinks, we will have a party, all of that. Exactly. So if you loved it last year, you'll love it this year as well. You'll recognize a lot of the, the elements, so to say. Uh, what is new or some of the additions that there's a little bit more of activities surrounding the two main days, you know, like there's some activities on April 17th. So we know a lot of people are flying into the city and we open up the doors at eight o'clock April 18th. But for everybody coming in already on the 17th, there's some activities that they can take part of, right, Thomas? Yeah, sure. So we have some workshops around lunchtime and that is uh, first hand for, for the members of our CEO and executive networks. There might also be spaces that will be open for everyone depending on uh, availability. It's limited number. Then we have for the second year in a row our paddle tournament. So Daniel, not everyone might know what paddle is. Could you please explain? You're the expert in this case. Yeah, so it's like tennis and squash combined, but it's an indoor sport here and you play in a cage. And the great thing with, with uh, paddle here that you can only play it doubles. So we do this, you know, because it's recreational, but it's also social and it's a great venue and format for you to get to know and warm up to some of the people before the main event. And, you know, there's going to be some, some music, some, uh, some, obviously some games so we can get the competitive juices going. There's going to be some, uh, award ceremony. Somebody needs to be crowned the, the paddle, uh, player of the year, but it's just a great venue to get to know, you know, some of the attendees prior to the event and it's free for anybody as long as you hold a ticket to the event you may register and don't worry if you've never played it because we're gonna put you guys in in different groups based on your experience levels and there will be coaches and stuff lots of fun so how do you register you go to sassiest2023.com and you scroll down all the way to the agenda and you'll see under april 17th there's something referred to the paddle tournament there is a registration link. Just fill out your form there and it's important that you register as soon as you know if you want to 
join because we only have, I think, 88 spots in there. It's random, it's linked to the courts. Absolutely. And then in the evening, we have our executive and CEO speaker dinner. And I know also that there will be a lot of other companies doing side events and drinks meetups and so on. So keep a lookout in the LinkedIn feeds and, and so on, and you will might find a, a place where, where you can go if, if you want to find some others. And um, we are exploring some new kinds of activities. So we have a poll out. You can say what side activities you're interested in. And, and we have, for instance, the morning run option and a yoga option. And let's see how big the interests are there. Then we will also arrange that. Uh, but what we will uh, arrange for sure is to have to end off the whole conference with a poker tournament. So it happens to be so that we have one of the three casinos in Sweden where you can legally play poker here in Malmö. And we will head down over there at 5 p.m. after the conference for a burger and a beer. And then it's um, shuffle up and deal and play cards all evening. For, for you that stays in Malmo that day as well. Yeah, and can people already register for that? They can do that, and it's the same process. You go to sassiest2023.com, you scroll down in the agenda until you find the poker tournament, and then you f- just fill out the form. All right then, so a lot about Sassiest. Um, it's gonna be fantastic, and it's gonna be fantastic when it's over, so we can, you know, t- take a well-deserved rest. But now I think let's go in, let's learn some new stuff and talk to the guest of this episode. Today we are very happy to welcome Magnus Hultman, the CEO at Safetyr here as a guest in the SAS Nordic podcast. So welcome Magnus. Thank you so much. It's really great to have you here with us Magnus and we have the pleasure obviously to know you really well. One, because you're in, in our neck of woods and two, you've been part of our CEO network for a while, which we really appreciate. But for the ones that might not know Magnus, who are you? So uh, I'm the CEO of uh, Safetyr. I'm a hired gun here at uh, Safetyr, a publicly listed company. But prior to that, I uh, I started a couple of uh, companies before, and uh, four of them to be more precise, all in uh, technology within media tech. And uh, that was a tough industry. Uh, for sure. If you can see, succeed there, you can succeed anywhere, basically. We've heard a rumor, uh, and uh, now is a good opportunity for us to <laughs> see if it's true or not, that maybe you've started one of the very first SaaS companies in Sweden. Is that true? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 2003. I was like a pilot user for Salesforce back then. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. So, it was a web analytics company called uh, Instadia. And um, it was founded in Denmark. And I was uh, heading the sales and the CEO of the company here in, uh, here in Sweden. And basically, what we did was developing a technology where we hosted a uh, 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 client-side uh, collecting of, of data where we were hosting it and offering it on a monthly fee. So it was before cloud and source. So, so we just said, well, this is a cool business model. Uh, worked out pretty well. Uh, the company grew very, very fast. We took pretty much all of the enterprise segment here in, in the Nordics. And this was before Google Analytics was launched. <laughs> so uh, it was uh, definitely a very good timing. And then uh, sold the company to Omniture Adobe over in uh, in the US. All right, and and being a startup founder multiple times, what what led you in 
I mean, into this going in as an external CEO uh, at a company like Safetier? Well, it actually happened before as well. So one of the companies was Videoplaza, where I was an angel investor in this company together with uh, Henrik Torstensson, a good friend of mine, and um, and, uh, founded by Soros Tavakoli. Uh, and you know, he had the idea, but he didn't know how to package it, how to sell it, what types of agreements to have, etc., etc. So, uh, just standing on the sideline looking at that got me really, really nervous. <laughs> it's like, uh oh, uh oh, oh, where, where's my money ending up? <laughs> I know how to do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, so I decided to to, uh, to join the company as well. So actually, I'm I'm I'm, I'm, I'm I've done that before as well. It's not always my own idea. <laughs> All right. But now you're at Safetier. So uh, what can you tell us about the company? What do you do? Well, I can start with why I ended up at, at Safetier. So basically, um, I, I need to be affecting the strategy of a company. I need to get down and dirty. Just as I mentioned with, with Video Plus, I need to be operational in the company. Uh, and I need to have a big saying in what the strategy is. And, and Safetier has been around for quite some time. It was founded in 2009 in Lund by a professor in medicine, actually, Lars Liedgren, uh, who's also a multiple startup uh, founder, uh, but within biotech and life science. <laughs> that seems random. But he was, uh, well, the thing was, he always had bad luck. So, uh, so for example, he was in Sri Lanka when the tsunami hit. He was in Bombay, Mumbai, when the the terror attack was there. It was actually his hotel that was attacked, wow. etc. So uh, he came up with the idea that I should have gotten those alerts uh, warning me about this. I would build a global warning system. So he means that the idea is that any type of incident can be prevented if you know where people are. If you can communicate with them based on their position and that you have the right and correct information. So that he wanted to build and started pouring in money into this uh, company. And the CEO, Andreas Rodman, who was also a co-founder of the company, a fantastic engineer, he started building, you know, building, 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 several years built this. And then it was launched together with a few selected clients back in the days. All right. It was aimed at being a global warning system for the entire population on this planet. Uh, even if <laughs> Lost League is rich, he's not that rich. <laughs> so uh, so uh, then it became a business-to-business uh, offer uh, after a few years. Okay. Yeah. Always good to aim for the stars. Because there's this, this system in, in the US, I don't know what system it is, but do you guys know something called Amber Alerts? Mm-hmm. Like they usually have it when like, you know, a child has been abducted. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We have SOS Alarm in uh, Sweden as well. I mean, so, so there's different types of systems all over the planet. Most of them are relatively recent, these systems. And problem for most of them is that you can send an alert, but you still don't know where people are. Right. You know, <laughs> so, so, uh, and, and communication. So, uh, you know, check in that a person is okay or send back information, etc. All right, all good there. But why did you join this company? <laughs> exactly. I mean, coming from media, which is uh, maybe the toughest industry on the on the planet, you know, and going over to something completely different like security, uh, it's quite interesting. Um, I've had a mentor since I started at the university. He's been following my career for all my life, and I talked to him when I was CEO at my last venture called Strossel. 
a very successful company. We established that company in 14 markets across Europe. It was the fastest growing tech company in all of Europe. I was nominated as the founder of the year here in Sweden. And, but still, there was something missing. I didn't have fun at work. Right. And at the same time, you have a media industry that is in decline. Uh, so I, I asked him, what do you think I should do? And he said, well, Magnus, maybe you're not a startup anymore. Maybe you are a grown-up. Maybe it's time to move on to, to something else. <laughs> that was one, his first thing. The second thing was that you think it's miserable in the media industry. You say everybody's an asshole, right? <laughs> so why are you still in there? And also, remember, Magnus, that you do not become a better person being in that industry. I was a pretty nasty person, to be honest. And the third thing was, Magnus, if you only work with, with startups, then you're only eligible for working in startups. Why not try out being in a listed company? Because otherwise you will never get those questions, you know, boards and stuff. And, whatever it might be. and that was a good point as well. So I think it's a good idea to constantly evaluate where you are in life, how it fits with your plans and your views on, on, on whatever. So uh, get a mentor, evaluate. So uh, that's, that's two advices. So I did that and uh, stumbled across this company called Global Warning System, right? And uh, I looked at the company. It was, uh, had hundreds or even thousands of customers all over the planet, users in 190 countries, uh, extremely low churn. Um, it was in a, in a space that was growing very, very fast, security, all things security risk, right? So uh, that looked nice. And I said, can I just look at the books? And the book said, well, the turnover is 15 million sec, 1.5 million euro when they're on the stock exchange. And I was like, how is this possible? How can a company that existed for that long have so many fantastic customers, very well appreciated product, and only have a, a revenue this small? Hmm. So I went to a meeting together with a sales director at that time, met this customer, and he showed everything about the platform. And, and they were like, wow, it's fantastic. This must be the world's best platform. I was like, yeah, it's the world's best platform. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, that's great. Can we buy it? But, but one thing, we want this, but, but can, you, can you do this, this stuff as well? And it was like, yeah, 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 we can do that. We are really good at building stuff. And then it struck me. I mean, they were not selling products. They were selling projects. Okay. It was an IT company selling projects. Mm-hmm. So I went back to the chairman of the board, Semir Rulf, who is another famous uh, person in this area, uh, previously the CEO of uh, Axis, uh, chairman of the board for ClickTech and, and many others. So we had this discussion and I said, if, if I can lay down the strategy, then uh, let's give it a go. So 2019, first decision, hire a new uh, CFO. That is very, very important. Have a fantastic CFO, especially when you're a listed environment. The second decision was to change the name. Global warning system got completely ruined by Greta Thunberg. <laughs> Everybody called it global warming system. So uh, that did not work. <laughs> the name of the product is Safeture. Okay. So it's Safeture. Safeture it is. And uh, somehow the other CEO medically disappeared then when you came in. <laughs> Absolutely not. He's still in the company. He's still in the company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's CIO and still a fantastic resource. And 
we have so much fun together at work. I mean, he's uh, part of the steering group and everything. And I'm blessed every day that he's still in the company. Cool. And the reason that works is that it wasn't another alpha male uh, <laughs> trying to do uh, stuff. It was... I'm not saying it was better, absolutely not. What I'm saying is that we are completely different. We're completely different. We're two different types of individuals. Okay. And together we can do uh, magic, right? You mentioned a little bit about, you know, security and all of this, but I mean, who's your ideal customer and, and what is the offering? You, you mentioned already B2B, that that's where you ended up. Yeah, isn't that a strategy? No. <laughs> so, um, uh, we're a, a people risk management platform. Yeah. We work with risk, uh, understanding where people are located, where they're about to go, understand what types of threats uh, and risks face uh, people and the organization. Uh, and that's what we offer. Our ISP is uh, actually uh, our partners. Okay. Um, we target um, security companies and medical assistance companies and risk management companies. And we are the technolo technology platform for them to sell to the end client. Okay. Basically, you, you have a security company going to an end client saying that in order for us to help you with all things related to risk and security, you need to have safety in place because that is our process tools, process tool. And what's your top three bragging, brag customers? Whew, I would say uh, Siemens, Ikea and uh, European Central Bank. And I actually add a fourth there, uh, Ministry of Foreign Affairs in Sweden because um, it's, it's cool. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. So, so based on that, it sounds that uh, you need to be of a certain size where this is applicable. Like, you know, th th Thomas and Daniel and Sass Nordic would, wouldn't that. necessarily... Yeah, 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 I heard that because I was bragging about brands that people know. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the true thing is that when the company was founded, the, one of the very, very first customers was IKEA, uh -huh. the family. It was a VIP service for the family in order for their partner, security partner, to take out the close protection from them. Okay. Yeah, we can take the VIP package down, so, <laughs> so it's fine. You can take the VIP package, right? <laughs> that, that or iPhone tracking. Maybe have TikTok as well, then you for sure have it. <laughs> yeah. No, but, um, and then I said, well, we want our managers to have it as well, and then we expanded, and then I wanted to be more parts within IKEA uh, sphere of, of companies, and, and suddenly it was all the employees there. So. I would normally say it starts very, very often in the boardrooms or the management team, and then we expand. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, let's let's try to put things in perspective here. So, sure. When you looked at the books, it was a project company, one point five million euros. Mm. Now it's a product company. What is your ARR? Let's start there. Four and a half million uh, euros uh, in three years, three and a half years. So triple it in um, three and a half years. And the reason behind it is software as a service, SOS. And I guess that's why I'm the guest here today. Yeah, so. Exactly. Good stuff. So, so fa fast growth. And you mentioned that, you know, when you also looked at the books, there was thousands of customers. And now that you've transformed the business, like how many customers do you have and where are they, where are they located? 4,000 end clients pretty much all over the planet except North Korea, China and Russia for some reasons. Um, so it's 90% it's, it's of our revenue is outside of Sweden. Uh, biggest market is, is Germany, followed by UK and, and the US. 
So it's, it's a massive uh, customer base, around half a million users in the, in the platform. And uh, we work with around 70 partners and around half of them are certified uh, partners. Okay. And so, I mean, obviously, it's a, it's a rather big operation. And how, how big is your operation internally? Like, you know, how many staff members do you have to support all of this? 36,000, I would hope, but uh, no, 36. <laughs> so you're managing this machine with 36 people. I think, you know, like we're going <laughs> to... Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> I know it's crazy, right? It's it's good. It's efficient. Like we we're gonna probably bring you back for another episode on efficiency, you know, efficiency, cheap, efficiency here. Right? Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And obviously, you're you're a listed company now, but you haven't always been. Just walk us through briefly. How have you guys financed operations here the, the last few years and so on? Remember, the company's been around since 2009. Yeah, and uh, the venture landscape looked very very differently back then. This is before Spotify took off, right? Yeah. So in 2009, uh, when Lars Lidgren and Andreas Bodman started, Lars Lidgren was pretty much funding it entirely by himself, also being the biggest shareholder in the company. And when he wanted to have additional competence into the company, he took in additional investors, primarily from, from his, his network. And the focus was to, to have great uh, board members that also... Um, Took, took a share, took a stake in, in, in the company. And then that continued. So uh, it was uh, friends and family. It was angel investors. Yep. Uh, because the, the, the VC market was not really that big mm. uh, back then, especially not in, in some of Sweden, <laughs> to be honest. Um, so we got some international investors as well, uh, a fund that invested, but not a VC firm. Right. So in 2014, when they asked for another round of money to build this amazing product, uh, the investor said, sorry, can't do it anymore. And they really didn't know where to go. So they decided to do what you have been doing for 100 years, go to the stock exchange to help out with, uh, with the financing of the company. So it was a traditional way of building up a, uh, a company, an idea-based uh, company. All right. Yeah, 2015 it was listed. So been on the stock exchange, uh, Nasdaq first north, small cap for nine years. Okay, how much is the share nowadays? Uh, the share, the, the value of the company is around uh, a quarter of a billion sec, so uh, 25 million euros. Okay. Uh, and that equals a price per sales uh, compared to our revenue of, of four and a half, five times our recurring revenue that we have in the company. Okay. And we're not making money. We're still not profitable. Haven't been since uh, incorporation of the company, even though it's, uh, we're getting there and we're pretty close to getting uh, profitable. But it's always, you know, uh, when I laid out the strategy for, for the company in 2019, it was like, Phew! Let's go, <laughs> you know, uh, and that cost quite a lot of money. So we took in uh, and we expand the company quite a lot from 15 people to, to 36 people, as mentioned uh, today, uh, but also investments in, in all areas in the company. Right. So we burned through uh, quite a pile of cash here for the past uh, three years. <clears throat> and even if our gross margins were constantly improving and the revenues were increasing, Basically, we were on the right path to, um, to uh, profitability. We saw the, 
the character sales uh, with past uh, equi- equi- equivalency point here two years ago. And, and now we have a nice return on, on our um, sales investments. All right. Well, um, you are a listed company now. And what does that mean for your business? Other than you also being a grown-up now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can say I'm a CEO of a listed company, right? No, but... Um, uh, it matters to some extent. I mean, the main thing is you can't cut corners. You know, you can't sit down and being that startup entrepreneur and say, yeah, we're going to make this much money in just this short period of time. And, you know, you, you, you can't, you need to be transparent and honest. I'm not saying other founders are not honest. They are but maybe they're not always telling the truth or they are rounding upwards rather than downwards <laughs> when they say, uh, say things. So uh, transparency and honesty, that's the most uh, important things when you're in a, in a listed environment. When I look to the resources uh, that this company has in order to fulfill the obligations, it's nothing. Really, I have one CFO and I'm the CEO. And then I occasionally talk with my uh, marketing uh, man as well. But that's it. I mean, we don't even have assistants or, um, uh, or, um, or people employed in our finance team. We manage it because we have built up a fantastic tech stack, taking care of all these things that you need to process from the accounting system to the billing system to the, you know, all of that. So it's it's not a big administrative overhead for you being a public company compared if you were, you know, private? Not if you have rigged it in the right way. Okay. And that is a very important lesson that you do that if you're planning on going to the stock exchange. Please make sure that you have all that in place. Otherwise, it can be quite cumbersome if you don't uh, know what you're, what you're doing. <laughs> If you know what I mean. PR and communication are the keys to building awareness for your company. You want to make sure you reach the right people with the right message at the right time. My Newsdesk is a smart PR platform where you can manage all your communication efforts in one place. My Newsdesk makes it easier for companies of all sizes to create awareness and build relations with the people that matter the most to you. Don't make PR harder than it needs to be. Visit mynewsdesk.com to start your free trial. Let's take a step back there because you said something that I thought was was particularly interesting. You know, with cutting corners, when you're a public listed company, you can't cut corners. Mm. Uh, and I'm just thinking like if you're a CEO of a non-listed company, you still have an owner group. You still have a board. Mm. You still have to inform them. Mm. What happens when you go public? Is it because you suddenly have a bigger owner group and the cap table looks very different? Like what is the change that makes you say you can't cut corners? No, but you're really right. It's, you have the same structure, um, but everything that is, that is happening in the boardroom that affects the company, it needs to be transparent out to all the shareholders. If I look at to my previous companies, sure, I've had many shareholders as well, but you know, it was a well-kept secret what was happening 
in that uh, in that boardroom. Yeah. To be honest. So uh, so it's the same structure, but you need to make sure that the information that you have that could affect the market and, and the understanding of our company needs to be full transparent uh, out into the market. So let's say, I mean, right now I know, for example, we were involved in several uh, really, really nice requests for proposals from some really, really good com- companies. That is information that I can either say that if I have that information, that would make me an insider, right? So I can start trading in my own share, for example. Neither can the rest of my, my company or those involved in that deal. And if there is some information that we need, we know we need to disclose to the markets, we need to tag that, right? It's called the more regulation here in, in Sweden. So there is some administrative stuff on top of just going out there doing the sales. Uh, but it's, it's quite little. And also here, you have fantastic tech support in order to, to manage it. Actually, Finances um, Bikrun is, 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 is pretty well rigged for a, a technology-driven world. I think it's the first time I hear anybody talk well about Finances Bikrun. <laughs> well, if you're a bank, <laughs> you wouldn't do it. But I'm not a bank, so it's fine by me. Yeah. So can it be a competitive disadvantage having to be so transparent with the market? Yes. I mean, I remember when we were in discussions with a, a really big uh, partner and we were like saying, we want this and that and this should be the structure of the deal and this is how much money. And they were saying like, well, you mean we should pay uh, this much when you have a gross margin of, of this size, uh, meaning that we will be this big part of your revenue, etc. It was like tough discussions to have there, right? Oh, so, uh, but also another thing was that in that book, you could see that uh, in our P&L, you could see that we were loss making. So, uh, so I think it ended up pretty well anyway, but, um, but it is transparent. Um, we see, we, we get a lot of incoming from, from different types of, of funds, but also from private investors, you know, Gunnar in Bjerget. It's like uh, calling me because he thinks I'm a public person yeah. and asks questions about, about, you know, what are you doing right now? Have you been to that and that fair? Have you talked to that and that client? It's like, <laughs> sorry, man, I, 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 I can't tell you that. That's, that's so interesting. Like, you know, what does that mean to you as a CEO? Like, uh, how much more time do you have to spend on I don't want to say pleasing, communicating with owners compared to if this was not a public company, because then I guess you have, you know, your regular check-ins, but that's it. It's, it's, it's a really good question. I mean, I will always work very hard throughout my life, you know. So you can say that in order for it to work, you always need to think about the scalability of it. So, for example, if I have something I communicate internally in the company to my employees, can I duplicate that and communicate as well to my board? And can I duplicate that and communicate that as well to shareholders? Instead of trying to work through all of that stuff, I think it comes with age. That <laughs> 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 you are more clever in how you, how you, do, the, how you do the work. Um, so it's a lot about trying to find ways and methodology in order for you to, to not work yourself to death because you could easily do that. Yeah. So 
looking at the stock market, you know, especially the last two years, uh, it could be very rewarding, but it could also be extremely punishing. <laughs> Tell me about it. How do you go in knowing that, like, you know, how do you, what do you do about it, so to say, like, what, how, and how does that affect your business? <laughs> Fantastic question. That is one thing that you do not even have to think about when you're a, a startup founder. I remember already when I started the first company, I said that we will never, ever talk about an exit. Because when you start doing that, it will get into your head. You will never, ever do it. And I've tried to stick to that all my life, that you never talk about a monetary event. The same thing here. I can't look at the price of the, of the share because that is destructive. Because you try to do value creation on short-term things instead of doing it long-term things, right? I have a strategy. I know where I'm heading. I'm delivering with what I've promised quarter after quarter after quarter. That will give me reward in the long run. When you take a step back and try to do it short term, then you, you risk ending up like fingerprint cards or whatever it might be. There, you, know, no, but you know what I mean? I mean, companies that, that, that really try too hard and to please the, the purple, I don't know that word in English, but, but those uh, that, that, that talk about uh, stock picking on um, Discord channels and Facebook groups and... Um, Reddit, etc. So try definitely try to to um, to avoid avoid that. But there are other things. So you could say that you have the supply and demand effects on the on the share price. But the second thing is what you can't affect, and that is the the macro. So if there is a recession or if there is a general trend that your technology is on the way out or whatever it might be, but these macro effects uh, is really, really hard. So right now we have, um, um, you see a big change in how you value technology companies, especially not profitable technology companies. And even if we are still delivering our results every quarter, it didn't matter. We got a 40% uh, strike to, to our share price from 400 million to 250 million in, in market cap. That was a tough one. And then I, I need to look to my investors. You can say that there are two. You have the big shareholders that's in it for the long haul. They know this will be a fantastic company building amazing value. And then you have the rest of the markets, which might be short term, you know, they got uh, some money over, they invested in SafeChair, and hopefully they can afford to go to Mallorca this uh, summer, um, you know. Mm. It is hard. Stock picking is, is really, really hard. Uh, we've all been doing it. I bet you guys have all, we've also been doing the, the stock picking, right? It is, it is hard. Daniel has. Daniel <laughs> has. I, 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 of course. Uh, unfortunately, not as successful as I would wish. <laughs> Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> uh, already, when I, I was a very ambitious student <laughs> back at Lund University, and besides my studies, I was also a teacher in stocks and, and derivatives, uh, actually. So I was holding evening classes uh, talking about this. I was the founder of uh, the shareholder, Youth Shareholder Association 
in uh, in Lund. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was a finance guy back then. That was before I uh, I saw. Uh, Internet, <laughs> but, <laughs> the light, <laughs> the internet light, exactly, exactly. So, but but anyway, I, w- I was definitely going to London to become a, a banker. But but uh, things changed uh, due to my mentor actually, who convinced me that it was wrong for me. Anyway, mm. so when you look at the stock exchange, it is interesting because it is a folklore. It is something that everybody can participate in, right? If you have some money to spare, or if you're saving for your pension, or whatever it might be, you can actually be a shareholder in a company, whether it's Volvo, Ericsson, or Safeture. You make an informed decision and can see your money grow with that. And also, you're not only a shareholder, you're also a vote holder of the company. You can actually vote based on that you are a shareholder. Just by knowing that, and it's available for everybody out there, that's a good thing. What we see in the market today is an extreme shift. So, for example, if we look at Spotify or if we look at uh, Facebook, two examples. Facebook was entirely funded through VC capital. All that money for Facebook was just distributed among three VC firms and 10 individuals, making them extreme amounts of money. Hmm. The same thing goes for Spotify, but they had something that they wanted to say that, yeah, let's go to the stock exchange and try out what the value will be in the stock exchange without having those advisors. But a Facebook, they tried to maximize the goddamn deal to sell off and then dump it to the market, step out of being a shareholder in the companies, but, but then, you know, letting it go. It was their exit. Mm. But it was not for the host in Spotify. They are still in that company, being shareholders in the company. And that is a very, very important thing. Going to the stock exchange is not an exit. It's the beginning of the journey. I would say that companies, publicly listed companies, they're here to stay. In a VC-driven world, where most of your members, the SaaS companies, are funded by these VC firms, they are not publicly disclosed. It's a very small group of people that decide what happens and, and, and how the money is being distributed, leaving out population. And uh, I, I honestly believe it's a, it's a socialdemocratic uh, tanke, to be honest. But isn't it a bit, you know, nationalistic? I mean, uh, most people in the world don't care about uh, a company listed on the Swedish stock exchange. You can trade in any uh, exchange in the world if you if you want to mm. and that is about information and transparency they are still behind i would say mm. i believe that there will be a global stock exchange one day i believe that there will be better platforms and, and tools to buy than you have today today you have those goddamn banks right <laughs> uh, trying to uh, to maximize their their revenues uh, i mean if you take this uh, shareholder association here in sweden they had their own platform where you could buy shares and instead of of, of paying a high, what is that in English, uh, high commission when you buy shares. Markup or, or yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. The markup, they, they, they just completely brought it to, to rock, uh, rock bottom and that was a way of, of trying to have more people uh, interested and, 
they were out there, um, the trainers I went to schools and talked about shareholding and how important it is in our society. Because if you want to build a, a society, uh, a wealthy society, you need to have a functional capitalism mm. where a stock exchange is a cornerstone of that. And it's not the VC firms. So being, being a listed SaaS company here, could you just summarize a, a few pros and cons for you as a company? What, what would, the, would that be? So if I need extremely lot of money, if I would need like insane amounts of money, I would go to the stock exchange. And who will give you that money? How, how do you know wait, that wait, you wait, can wait, get wait, that wait, money? Wait, wait, okay. wait, wait, wait. <laughs> okay. The stock exchange outnumbers VC firms by a factor of a thousand. Remember, VC firms are niche funds for a certain field in the industry. If you want the really, really big buck, that's a stock exchange. It's all the pension funds and, and, and the general population. So it's, it's, it's extremely big. That is one thing. The second thing is that it is, um, it is a sign of, of quality as well, being on the stock exchange. We have been vetted throughout everything. Our books, our company, uh, our products, everything is vetted in this company. And we are on the stock exchange. And it becomes more and more and more um, requirements on you as, as, a, as a company. And we are transparent with it. And we can disclose it and show it. So it's a sign of quality that you are on the stock exchange as well. Mm. And thirdly, is that uh, it gives a visibility uh, which sometimes is good. It can be bad for, for, for some companies, but, but primarily it's good to get visibility and, and be able to, to actually uh, disclose information to a general public, which is harder, much harder for a non-listed company. So that's some of the advantages. Some of the disadvantages is, of course, that you have more administration. But it's... It's about how you rig it, how you set up the structure of the company. But there is more administration. There is legislation that you need to tend to. You have the, the shareholder legal, share legal framework. And then um, you have other things. You have costs as well. It costs money to be on the stock exchange, uh, actually. So how much does it actually cost to be a listed company and like where do the fees go to the fees goes to uh, nasdaq for the trading platform etc so i think we pay around uh, 50000 euros a year to to be uh, to be listed you need to have a certified advisor there are some requirements uh, there that 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 just needs to be in place it's just money you need to spend gotcha okay and that, so that then brings me to like what would be your advice there's a lot of like you said of our listeners here today that probably have thought at some point in time that should we do an exit and should that exit be and i know you said it's not an exit but should we go should should we be a listed company or not and when should i do it knowing what you know now when is the right time do you think to be a listed company to take that step i think there's two things that will decide that the first thing is, if you have something that you know will take a long time, and for example, a research project, and you need to be sure that there is funding, I would say the stock market is a, is a good thing. That's why you have 73 listed companies in Lund alone, 
which is insane, but that's how many there are actually. And uh, 70 of them are unprofitable uh, because they are doing biochemistry and, um, and life science and all of that. So if you, if you have a, a project that would take some time, then, uh, then the stock exchange is the right thing. The second is if you want to have a liquid asset, right? Because if you are in a VC-funded world, your shareholding is not liquid. Right. So that's what I mean. This is not an exit event. It's an event where your shareholding actually will have a true value, a true value, not what the VC firm says, but a true value that the market decides. And it's liquid. You can buy and sell from, from the shareholders. So if you want to take a vacation for, for four weeks with the family, you, you can take out 300,000 Swedish crowns or, or something like that and go on that vacation? Absolutely. And uh, you can do that. And uh, the market will immediately see that a person, which is the CEO, has sold for 300,000 <laughs> and uh, put an out of office <laughs> at his email. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you will know that the share price will go up. But yeah, okay. <laughs> All right, but, but looking forward here, what is in the future for, for SafeTure the next few years? I have a, a fantastic uh, chairman of the board, uh, Fleming uh, Brainholt, previously the CEO of Karna Group, another SaaS company, uh, actually. So um, when he stepped down as CEO of Karna, this was his first mission um, to become the chairman of the board here in this company. I've had him now for about two years. So he's very much operational uh, as well. He understands what problems we are facing. And I come from a non-listed world, right? And he was in a, li he was in a listed company. So he could really help me out there, telling me you know, how to think about the market, how you communicate with the market, because I needed to, to, to get that understanding. So what we did was that we set up a, a, a long-term strategy where we want to take this company and of course, the longer you try to do that planning in time, the more uncertainties there are, right? So instead, you try to break it down in shorter batches. So we have the, our midterm financial targets. And those midterm financial targets, you should always be able to deliver on them. So, for example, we set up three uh, midterm financial targets that we have communicated to market that we will always grow 30% quarter over quarter. We will uh, be profitable when we reach uh, 6 million uh, euros, I think it is. And we will reach a gross margin of more than 80%. And I'm pretty certain that we will reach those. Uh, I know we've reached those targets because I have communicated it. Uh, <laughs> but also looking at my long-term objectives, which is extremely much higher, right? These are the things we just need to pass in order to reach those um, big objectives. Um, uh, All right. But these are the numbers, you know, that, that are not the, the fantasy numbers, but the, those are the ones that you can communicate to the market, right? No, the fantasy number, we can take that uh, in a bar somewhere. <laughs> we can talk about it. Yeah, okay. Watch the stock exchange or the stock price now when, when this is released, just skyrocket. Yeah, sure. yeah exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, that yeah. is another thing. You know, the Swedish stock exchange, which is the second largest stock exchange in Europe, there's more than a thousand listed companies. It's like, um, it's, it's just amazing. Actually, there's been created more value on the Swedish stock exchange than the Norwegian oil fund. Wow. Right? So, I mean, uh, or what they added to the, to the oil fund each year. And that is a massive amount, but you forget about that. 
the whole society of Sweden has become extremely much richer just because we have a, um, a stock exchange that is performing well. All the other Nordic countries, they list their companies in, in Sweden, for example. And then you have people like myself that uh, thought Kahoot, the sky was the limit and invested and mm. uh, the sky was not the limit and nor do we see where the bottom is. <laughs> okay, but next here, um, I mean, we have, we have a great audience here listening to these podcasts. Uh, you have a chance now for a shout out. Is there anything you need help with from, from the community? Wow. Um, something you are looking for? Yeah, uh, fantastic engineers, fantastic salespeople. Uh, we're always looking for that. It's a constant struggle. Um, that is one thing. But my shout out is actually awareness. I really do a shout out to companies out there to think about their their risk and risk management because that is more important than ever. You know, remember they talked about the the black swan event. The black swan event happens all the time. And have you ever sat down and actually done an assessment for your company? What if, what different types of risk and events might affect your business? Believe it or not, we actually have. And it's yeah. not, it has nothing to do because of Thomas and me, but we have a fantastic chairman of the board Yeah, <laughs> that forces us. And I salute you because I've seen companies that, that, that do not do that. And it's not only goes for the company but also for, for the staff they have. And that's the space we operate in. And I really honestly say that that's important. Good advice. And lastly here, uh, if uh, we would get this guest on the show, you would be really excited. Who would it be? I would say uh, Henrik Torstensson. Okay. One of your homies? Yeah, we were uh, angel investors in, in Video Plaza, and he was the CEO of um, uh, LifeSum. Okay. Uh, for a long time, uh, he's a VC now, but he's been, you know, with Spotify, and uh, he's he's a fantastic person. Everything that go, comes to, to 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 marketing, efficient marketing, he's uh, he's uh, he's, uh, he's, uh, he's a great guy. Okay. Okay. Invite him to to Sassiest and uh, we'll uh, meet him. There. And I have another one, of course. I mean, we have we have uh, different companies uh, like. Red Eye that is focusing on, on technology and sales. We have Montero, who is doing buyouts from the stock exchange. And at Montero, you have, um, you have Eric Suren from, uh, from Lime, which is another sales-ish company uh, here in Lund. And Eric Suren being on the Montero side could be interesting if you haven't uh, had him on, uh, on the show. No, we, we actually had not. He was supposed to be on the show, and then he decided to, to leave. Yeah, the operating role to, 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 the, to the dark side. But yeah, exactly, yeah. to the dark side. But uh, <laughs> it's a wealth of knowledge. So, um, um, yeah. Cool. Thank you for that, Magnus. And thank you for being on the show. Great talking to you. And uh, as usual, we learned some, uh, something new today. So um, thank you and have a great weekend. Yeah, go list it. Yeah. <laughs> Take care now. Bye-bye. So, Daniel, what's your takeaway from this episode? Uh, I definitely learned some new things about, you know, uh, what it means to be a listed company, some of the pros and cons, and I had some firm opinions beforehand, and I think that Magnus probably just helped me cement some of those initial thoughts I had. I think uh, there's lots of advantages with being a publicly listed company, but I think it's a disadvantage unless you're of a certain size and have a certain organization readiness. They, they seem to have it. 
But I think it, you know, there's the, obviously it costs money to be publicly listed. You have to deal with you know <laughs> being scrutinized in the public eye all the time. And there are some reporting activities that you know require some energy for the team. So I think you just need to be aware of all of those things and make sure that your organization is ready to reap all the benefits that there is with being a public company. But you know, I think doing it too soon is a problem. What too soon is, I have no idea. <laughs> what about you, Thomas? Well, I hadn't really thought about the liquidity aspect of things that you can actually, yeah, you could cash out uh, whenever you want if it's, you know, within the um, yeah, correct way, legal ways of doing it or if it's smart or not. Uh, but uh, uh, I haven't really thought about that. Uh, and um, I mean, of course, if you get funding, you can take a secondary and, you know, get some money out of the company so so you can um, spend some nice time with the family or or uh, build a pool or whatever you want to do uh, but yeah, what uh, was it you said going to Mallorca for 300,000 that's a very fancy I didn't say Mallorca <laughs> very fancy it, it could be the, the Maldives or, or somewhere else or yeah no but I, I mean we've seen it um, some companies have done really well and benefited from being like in the public eye and listed and we've also seen some companies unfortunately being really punished on the stock market so yeah i think it's um it's just yet another forum that you have to learn how to balance all right what else what else i, I think there's there's lots of stuff happening so we have uh, obviously been running now the ceo and executive network for the past uh, two months but we've seen that there's still people that want to to join and knock, knocking on the doors and it's not too late. I guess if you still have an interest, hit us up and we'll see if we can squeeze you in in, in, in a group that makes sense for you. Yeah, and, and something actually that we haven't talked about at all here, and that's because it's super new. But uh, here on March 8th, I believe, yes, we saw the light of our newest network, the Sassiest Female Founders Network. So this is an initiative that uh, has been requested uh, by some female founders out in, in the SaaS community. So um, the start of it is now. So you can head over to sasnodic.com. If you look on the community, you will also find the female founders uh, network and you can apply there. And we are just now putting together the group. We're going to you know, find out the schedule and everything. So. Some of that might already be in place when you hear this, but if you're interested, you can join whenever you want um, during the year. So um, the requirements uh, to be a female B2B SaaS founder, then you're in, welcome <laughs> to apply. And just if there's somebody here that doesn't know what our networks are all about, like very briefly tell us, if you're a female founder and apply to this and join this network, what should they expect? Okay, so if we look at how our other network groups are run, it's basically that the foundation is to meet once a month in a one hour digital meetings where you bring a use case, something that you would like to have input on. It, it could be a challenge or, or something that you're thinking of. And uh, from the team then they, they help you to sort of uh, uh, clarify the use case and the questions you have and then share their experiences or recommendations and reflections regarding it and I mean it could be more or less structured we, we keep it pretty structured in our CEO network and executive network um, and um, 
then also let's see what this can be and what needs there are in the group. Uh, we also uh, in our networks ha have a few in-person meetings. It could be a kickoff, it could be the dinner uh, before uh, the SASIEST event and so on. But uh, the foundation is to have these monthly meetings, uh, use case driven, have a private Slack group and then make sure to, to build these relations also because it's, it's what it's all about, you know, building close relations so you can help each other out in, in various ways. Definitely. I know we're, we're super excited and big shout out to, to the ladies that brought this idea to us and we're just happy to provide the forum. But again, it's all female will be led by female. So looking forward to see what this pans out and ends up. Yeah, shout out to you, Vilma at VLOXQ and see you looking forward to uh, working with you on this. So thank you for listening. We will soon be back with yet another episode. See ya.